a lot of times athletes, we've put in our 10,000 hours and a lot of those things translate and transition into everyday life. Um, You know, not just football Mm -hmm. in particular, but, but a lot of sports and a lot of athletics, you can take those, those disciplines, you know, that, that preparation Mm -hmm. to, towards anything in your life and just that those experiences and, you know, having to deal with obstacles Mm -hmm. and deal with things that people that don't play sports don't always have to work through. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, taking those experiences into the rest of your life, you know, is invaluable. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you again for joining me for another week. For any of the new listeners out there, I welcome you to the podcast, and this is the right place to learn about everything and anything related to elevating your performance. Check back at all the previous library of episodes from guest interviews to solo topics that really help you to realize your true potential. For all of the returning listeners out there, welcome back. Thank you for joining me again. Thank you for all of your support. And for everyone, you can check out all of the content that I'm putting out on social media. Check out my YouTube page. I am starting to get that rolling a little bit more. I'm learning a lot along the way too. So check back at my YouTube if you have any feedback for me. I would love to hear any of the feedback out there. Today's episode is one that I've been waiting for a while and it's been a long time coming but I'm happy that we got to sit down and talk. This is something that we wanted to do from the very very beginning of my podcast and COVID hit and of course things kind of get shuffled around a little bit and because this guest is not living here you know I really appreciate him taking the time when he's back in Hawaii to sit down have a great conversation and share this episode with you. So today's guest is Tim Kamana and he is a football player who played at Wyoming. And he is someone that I have worked with through college in some of the off seasons. And he's an exceptionally hard worker. And it's always great to sit down and talk to him with whatever is going on. Now, hear this episode because there's a lot of things I think that people can relate to, as with all of the other guest episodes as well. But Tim talks a lot about, you know, perseverance throughout his career, overcoming some of the adversity and some of the obstacles. And one of the things that he talks about in this episode is how to work to make your decision the right decision. And he's gone through a lot, has shared a lot of different experiences in this episode. And he's always worked and persevered to make that decision work out the best that it can for him moving forward. And this has a lot of great gems in it. Again, I don't want to say too much, but I had a pleasure sitting down with Tim. It was great to catch up. And we could have gone further on in this conversation, but we tried to keep it at a reasonable time frame. But it was great talking to Tim. Always a pleasure talking to him. So let's just jump straight into it and get into this episode. Welcome back, everyone, to the HNL Movement Podcast. Have an exciting episode planned for today. And I really, we're, this is something that we've been planning for a while. And we've been waiting to do it live when you actually came home. But I want to introduce, no introduction needed, but Tim Kamana is our guest today and he has a great story 
football story, great football career and everything. But thanks so much for joining me, Tim. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. This is gonna long be a time good coming. One. Yeah, it's been, we've been actually talking about this. I think since like last year. Since you but, started. Since I started. Yeah. So it's it's good to actually have the time to sit down, and you're here for a few weeks. So yep. you know, thanks for making the time again. Of course. But yes, let's just jump straight into your story. There's so Sounds many things good. we're gonna talk about. So let's start with your childhood. I guess growing up. You know, what was that like? And then we're talking a little bit before this, but, you know, you were going to play football from the time that you were born. So let's share a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, hit, it, you hit it right there on the head. I was, I was going to play football as soon as, as soon as I came out. I mean, that's what was destined for me. Um, you know, I wasn't going to play anything else. I wasn't going to play tennis or I wasn't going to, you know, play even soccer or basketball. I grew up in a football family mm-hmm. um, from all the way back to my grandpa. Mm-hmm. Uh, played linebacker and center at USC, University mm-hmm. of Southern California. My dad and his twin brother, um, my uncle John, followed suit. Uh, my uncle John played at University of Southern California as well, and my dad played at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, naturally, as a kid growing up, you know, you want to live up to the expectations and you want to fill the shoes and you also want to make your family proud. You want to make your the, the, the male figures in your life most importantly those guys proud right and so you know i always wanted to wanted to live up to those expectations and actually exceed those expectations um you know which which made it for an interesting upbringing and an interesting childhood because you know growing up in hawaii when you have a dad and an uncle and a grandpa who were you know mr everything for for where where they went and you know growing up everybody knows everybody yes. here in hawaii right so you know, no matter where I went, my dad always knew somebody. We'd have to stop and talk to somebody and everybody would be, your dad was a great athlete. You, you, like, you're going to play football too? You got, you got big shoes to fill. I would constantly hear that, you know, big shoes to fill. But, um, you know, I think you can kind of take two, two approaches as a child, mm-hmm. right? Is to either shy away from that. Um, maybe even I, I've seen folks or, you know, other children who don't want to have to be in that shadow or have to try and break their way out of that shadow and so maybe they decide to play something else or or do something else completely but for me it almost was a a driver a motivator you know okay you think that they're good let's 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 see let's see what you think about me right so um you know interesting interesting upbringing but you know i told both my dad and my uncle from an early age that I wanted to I wanted to be somebody mm-hmm. right I wanted to be you know the next Michael Jordan the next Tiger Woods the next every I mean any big time athlete is who I wanted to be right uh-huh. and so I mean just from a young age they also pushed me you know to to fill those those expectations and and live up to what I was saying that I wanted to do did you so when did you actually start playing football more competitively I guess so I started playing in the fifth grade. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to play so bad the year before when I was in the fourth grade, but my mom just would not, would not give my dad the approval to let me start playing that early. She was, you know, worried about me, uh, me getting injured or, yeah. you know, hitting my head too hard. <laughs> so, you know, she, she really had to pull, pull the reins back for that, that extra year. But yeah, I started playing competitive football, Pop Warner, um, in Manoa Valley. Um, when I was in the fifth grade Mm -hmm. and then, 
you know, the rest is, rest is history. Yes. Did you play any other sports prior to football? Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I played soccer, mm-hmm. basketball. Um, I actually was big into martial arts growing up. So I took mm-hmm. Taekwondo for about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Tried baseball. Didn't, wasn't my thing. Uh, I actually came home after the first day of practice and told my mom that I wasn't going back. <laughs> Why was that? <laughs> I think I, I got a little bit of a later start. Okay. So... Looking back on that first day, uh-huh. I, still, I still remember it. I felt out of place. Got it. How and old were like, you? Elementary school still yet? I th- yeah, I was elementary okay. school. I must have been like maybe seven or eight. But okay. I mean, kids get started playing baseball at like four or five years old. Uh-huh. So a lot of the guys that were at the, on the team that I went to practice with, they all knew each other. They all had been playing with each other. And they all were wearing like their baseball gear. I was in shorts and a t-shirt. And I just felt just like I didn't yeah. belong. Yeah. You know, and so I, I, for whatever reason, I just said, I don't want to go back. I'm not comfortable. Um, but, you know, I, you know, you can always look back with hindsight 2020 and say, uh-huh. yeah, I wish I would have stuck it out. I played baseball. Yeah. But, you know, I've always been a believer in not making the right decision. It's just making a decision and making it right. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I, that was my decision at the time. And uh, and that's that's what I rocked with. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, like most, you know, Hawaii kids, we try all these different sports because, you know, the weather's good. We're outdoors majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the story is pretty common, actually. Most people start football a little later. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was that conversation like either with your mom or your parents and what made them say, OK, let's go. Go ahead and you can play Pop Warner now when you're fifth grade. Um, You know, just. Like I said, growing up and hearing the stories, hearing about, okay, like your dad and your uncle were these great athletes. And yeah, my dad and my uncle, they were all state, three sport, football, basketball, track. But the stories that always stuck out and the stories that always circled back were football. And so I knew from a young age that I wanted to play football. It was just a matter of when that was going to happen. Um, So, you know, fourth grade rolled around, like I said, and I was begging my mom to play football and she wasn't quite ready to let me go yet. Um, My dad was trying to do some convincing, but, you know, mom always, always gets the final say. (laughs) So, so, uh, you know, I waited, I waited that extra year to the fifth grade. But at that point, I actually had to choose between okay. football and soccer because at the time soccer was actually a fall sport yes so i had to choose between what i wanted to do and you know it was almost a no-brainer for me i don't remember the decision being very hard mm-hmm. um being that you know hey i want to start playing football yeah. so i stepped away from from soccer and you know started playing football and i still kept up with basketball and i ran track in the spring mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i think being multi-dimensional and playing multiple sports really feeds into just being a better athlete, mm-hmm. um, you know, being comfortable doing multiple different things, having different skill sets mm-hmm. that you can't always get from specializing in one sport. Yeah. And I mean, sure, there's there's a lot of guys that, you know, basketball players that I mean, all they do is play basketball year round, go to all the clinics and, and shoot around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just felt that the being multifaceted, yeah. um, you know, be, makes you a better athlete oh, overall. For sure. Yes, and we see that. That's a common theme, I think, with a lot of the, you know, athletes that go on to play college even. You know, you have that background playing all of these different sports, getting all of these different skill sets that you don't get from one sport, right? Mm -hmm. Now, backtracking a little bit to football, actually, I can relate to your story. There's always something that I can relate a lot to to the guests because I was probably the opposite of you in that I never thought I would play football in my life, but I actually played Pop Warner when I was fifth grade. 
And it was the same thing. I played soccer before that. And soccer was more, I would say, my sport. Mm-hmm. But then people convinced me, hey, try to play football. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then had to stop soccer. Mm-hmm. So I didn't play soccer all the way until like I got to high school again, which was tragic. But anyway, <laughs> after that, I played football. And then, yes, you have to decide in, in Hawaii, especially a lot of the seasons, mm-hmm. you, know, you have to make a choice eventually. Yep. So going back to that first couple years of football, what was that like? Was your dad and your uncle helping you a lot or did they kind of hands off stay away or what was your experience like? I, I wish they were hands <laughs> off and stayed away uh, my dad was always my coach growing right. up basketball football track mm-hmm. everything he was my coach and you know I, I i look back and i appreciate it now uh-huh. but as a kid it's very difficult to separate mm-hmm. when he's your dad mm-hmm. and when he's your coach yeah. right because everything that Every criticism, every critique, Mm -hmm. you take personally. Mm -hmm. Because all you want to do is make your parents proud. Mm -hmm. All you want to do is is live up to the the expectations that everybody has. Being that you're the son of one of the better athletes that's ever come out of the state. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was definitely had had its fair share of struggles. And to be honest, I sucked at football to start. I was not good. Uh, I remember I came in my very first year, very first like hell week, so to say, where they're like you know, trying you out a bunch of different positions. And, you know, because they were knowing who my dad was, assuming that I was this awesome athlete, they're putting me at like wide receiver and quarterback and, you know, trying me out at the skill positions. I couldn't catch the ball. It was like it was like trying to catch a football with two tennis rackets, you know, and it, it was it was not good. So I ended up playing on the line <laughs> yeah. for my first two seasons. I was an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, um, just trying to figure it out, you yeah. know. And um, and yeah, I mean, I was I was not good. I mean, at I would argue to say that, you know, even all the way up through high school, you know, I was never like the best player on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it was interesting, but, you know, I think that that builds character yeah. as well as, you know, not instantly being good at something, you know, you have to work yeah. and, you know, you have to work harder than everybody else. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just knowing, knowing that really kind of paved the way for me to be able to get to where I got to, yeah. um, yeah. you know, never getting complacent or never thinking that I was too, too good of an athlete or that I was you know, on a higher level mm-hmm. than anybody else. Yes. Um, so, yeah, interesting, um, interesting start to my football career. Definitely. Yeah. Now, if it wasn't for football at that stage in your life, right, what was your other favorite sport or sport that you excelled at? That's, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a difficult one. I mean, I was always, I always liked track just because I was fast, Got naturally. It. That was something that, that did come naturally to me mm-hmm. is, is the, the speed a, a aspect of things. And, you know, I was always pretty competitive in Got track. Uh, when it came to team sports, I really did like soccer. That was probably my second favorite, but I had to choose. Yeah. You know, and so, I, yeah, I would say that, that soccer was probably, was probably yeah. my next one. So those things, they translate over to football, right? Because mm-hmm. the speed component definitely translate. Even, even soccer, just the mm-hmm. conditioning aspect, you know, footwork and all of that, that definitely helps you in football too. Absolutely. So as you started to progress with football, explain how that unfolded itself and what eventually I'm assuming that you got off of O-line, D-line. So, yeah. So what happened? Yeah, so I mean, finally, year three uh-huh. of Pop Warner, the coaches were just like, you're you're too fast 
and you know too athletic naturally i guess to be on the o-line you know you, you gotta we gotta get you somewhere else in the field and, and start having you make some plays so I, I got the opportunity to go to receiver again and i mean like i said putting in that that work right and over the course of those two seasons i was playing o-line but we were constantly working on catching the ball mm-hmm. um constantly working on aspects that were going to make me a better skill position player mm-hmm. But, you know, I also think that playing on the line was important for my physicality because believe it or not, I mean, now I have the hindsight to be able to look back and admit it. But I was a little timid, Um, you know, stepping out onto the field in the fifth grade. There were a lot of guys that have been playing football for a few years. And, you know, that first week of pads. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't throwing my head in there like <laughs> yeah. like how I was, you know, later on in my yeah. career. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I was, I was timid. So I needed to develop kind of uh-huh. that that mentality of like hey i'm gonna gonna have to put my hat on somebody every single play you know and develop that aspect Mm -hmm. of my game as well but i had the opportunity in my third year to you know step into more Mm -hmm. leader of a leadership role within the team i was now one of the older guys um you know i played receiver i was at linebacker now i was in the middle i was leading the defense Mm -hmm. so you know it just started to really progress and that's when i found my love for the game because my first two years I hated it. I hated it. You know, every single day, the drive from Manoa back to Kaneohe side where I was living, whole whole car ride, just getting berated. Uh, Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why why did you not make that play? And I'm appreciative of it now, but I mean, it, it really made me hate football at that point in time until... I started to have more fun with it Mm -hmm. and you learn the game and you get more comfortable and obviously when you're playing skill positions it's a little Mm -hmm. bit more more fun because you're you're getting some of the spotlight you get to score touchdowns (laughs) uh you get to make tackles Mm -hmm. and and be involved and lead so Uh you know that was that was when the passion really started to develop i would say was year three was when i knew it was like i want to go play got it college football and i want to play in the nfl so that's around seventh or eighth grade yeah, mm-hmm. when you're starting to pick up the game more yep. and then i like how you said you know the passion started to develop and now you had bigger goals which we'll get to mm-hmm. you know, in a second i always have to ask the athletes because it's good to know were you like a bigger kid growing up or were you a late bloomer and like you were always on the smaller side i was late late i, I was late <laughs> yeah. um i mean i was I was one of the smaller kids. Yep. I think my first season, I was barely making the the minimum cutoff weight. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, in Pop older Warner. Older Yeah. Yeah. You got to <laughs> yeah. play older lighter eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. But, <laughs> but you know, you, you have obviously the weight limits in yeah. Pop Warner. And you have a lot of guys that are the older lighters, right? Where yeah. they got to cut weight. Yeah. And they're, they're, they, well, you weigh in before every single game. Yeah. Right? And you had the kids that had to strip down to their underwear so that they could, like, lose an extra pound yeah. and be qualified to be able to play in the game. Whereas me, they were trying to get me to eat before weighing in in the morning like at 5 30 you know in the morning so that i could have i could be heavy enough (laughs) to play so the reason why i'm laughing too is because i was in the exact same position i was always the smallest kid i was lighter before i weighed in we would have to go to McDonald's to get me food so that I would make the minimum weight exactly yeah. like what you're talking about. Yeah. So I can fully relate to that. Uh-huh. It's like other kids are like, oh no, I'm going to, you know, am I going to be overweight? I was like, am I going to make the weight? Yeah. 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 But anyway. No, I won't, I won't name, I won't name the coaches that were involved in this decision. But one time they knew I wasn't going to make weight yeah. and they, 
they found in the in one of the storage rooms at Manoa yeah. a five pound weight weight belt that they made me put put inside my pants yeah. when I went for my wins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like they knew that I could play. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny because looking back now, you know, like all of those things, it, it probably did help you to in some aspect to work on football skills and stuff because when you're not physically you know on the same playing field especially when you're a kid you have to make up for it with something else speed mm-hmm. you know football iq something you have to make up for it because like you said you know football size does kind of matter you know as far as positions and things like that so you have to be a little bit more technique wise mm-hmm. better or whatever it is work harder at it because you know like you said you didn't get the size until later on uh, in your career yeah 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 no i mean even all the way until i was in high school i hit a big growth spurt between middle school and high school. So okay. I was I started to, you know, become taller and and be more on a level playing field on my height, but I was still just skin and bones. Um so, you know, I I had to pitch a tent in the weight room <laughs> yeah, during yeah. during when I was in high school yeah, yeah. to just be able to and eat eat yeah. eat 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 just yes. to be able to try and gain that weight. Yeah. You know, I wasn't even till I was a junior or senior when I started to like really fill out. Yeah. Um and really it wasn't even till I got to college when I started to really pack on the pounds and like really look like a football player. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. So you know, leading up into high school. So now you're enjoying football a lot more and mm-hmm. you do have bigger goals, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure your dad and your uncle are still, you know, helping you a lot. Mm-hmm. How did that transition from you know like pop warner into intermediate football you did play intermediate or you went straight to so I, I i played pop warner all the way through and the reasoning for that was well first my dad never wanted to coach at the school uh he always was you know more comfortable coaching the pop warner level mm-hmm. and we kind of sat back and analyzed it's like yeah at the intermediate level you're getting exposed to there's no weight limit like how there is in yep. pop warner so you're you're playing against kids yep. that are starting to get get exposed to that yeah um but we were looking at it and saying they're playing like four or five games yeah in their season in ilh that's why yeah, yeah. four or five games and that's it and you know you got 150 kids on the team because there's no cuts really in intermediate and so you know they're trying to play everybody and you got freshmen yeah. that you're competing yeah. with in the Not seventh great, grade yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, my last two seasons in Pop Warner, we made it to like the playoffs and the championship. So, I mean, we ended up playing like, I want to say like 11, 12 games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so just a lot more time on the field. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Yeah. I mean, time on the field is is everything. And, you know, I know I might be jumping ahead here just a little bit, but I mean, you really start to notice it high school and college mm-hmm. is where that time on the field leads to that comfortability. Mm-hmm. Like you said, where now you can start having fun with it and really experimenting and 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 doing things that are outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you don't have that that field experience, you see guys that get on the field for the first time and they've been playing football for a long time. But maybe they're just getting on the field for the first time their junior, senior year. Mm-hmm. And they're not as fluid yep. and as comfortable. Yep. As some of these guys that have been playing and actually getting those in-game reps their whole life. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was honestly a a big, a big like positive for me was sticking in Pop Warner until I got to high school. That actually makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I mean, I think we're seeing it more with other sports, too, that club sports are outside of school sports. It actually becomes a better environment or 
more competitive environment for you to actually develop to play at the higher levels too. So that's that's something I mean, you know, that's great for your dad and you know people around you to have that insight to yeah. like, hey, maybe let's play Pop Warner for a little longer, right? Yeah. Now on that note, you are a Punahou alum, yep. right? So we've had a bunch of Punahou alums on this, on this <laughs> podcast. But when did you start going to Punahou? I started at Puno when I was in the sixth grade. Okay, got it. Yep. So, so it made even more sense too, like you're saying, you know, mm-hmm. when intermediate football and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that transition now from Pop yeah. Warner into ILH football. It, you would think that it would be a, a huge transition, but I think that by that time, mm-hmm. I had just developed this confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was from just the sheer amount of time that I had spent on the field and mm-hmm. playing, just knowing kind of undyingly from the time when I was in the seventh, eighth grade talking to my best friends. I mean, you can ask them mm-hmm. how early I was talking about going to play college football and making it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so having that just confidence, sheer confidence in my abilities mm-hmm. at that point was, I mean, when, when you start playing with no weight limit and there's, you know, these kids that are 300 pounds in freshman year mm-hmm. in high school, it's not even really something that I thought about. Yeah. Um, but the big transition for me was that now my dad and my uncle were removed mm-hmm. from the process mm-hmm. and they were able to be more hands off. And I mm-hmm. think that that was also something that was big for my for my development was mm-hmm. finally to to be on my own and and, uh, you know, start to develop and not, you know, have to worry necessarily about my dad being there watching every single play noticing every little mistake during practice (laughs) so so i think that that was that was another positive and also something that i appreciate you know my dad's insight Mm -hmm. to be able to realize okay i've laid the foundation he knows what's good what's not good Mm -hmm. i'll coach him along the way on the things that i see Mm -hmm. but he he now can run on his own yes and now it's time for me to step back Mm -hmm. and for him to grow so that later phases of Pop Warner, right? mm-hmm. because now you had goals to play college and, you know, pro eventually, were you kind of settled in on a position or were you still playing all over both ways? How, how did that? Yeah, work? it was, it was interesting. You know, I, I always saw myself being an offensive player. Um, I wanted to score touchdowns. I wanted to have the ball in my hands. That was, that was, you know, something that was exhilarating, you know, uh-huh. for me it was, was to have, have the ball in my hands. So I always thought I was going to play running back and, I get to Punahou and I started to start to dabble in training and, and lifting weights. Um, and one of the one of the people that was in the weight room all the time was Titai Ane. Okay. And you know, I I don't know if I've ever told him this, but he is a large reason why I played defensive back. Mm-hmm. Was because he asked me what I wanted to play, what it was that I was doing, and I told him I wanted to play play running back I want to play on offense and he goes that's one of the best DBs to ever come out of the state like you're gonna be a DB and so just slowly he would he would have me do defensive back drills little by little and he would kind of chip away at me and and kind of plant those seeds Mm -hmm. not that he was like forcing me or or um you know trying to manipulate me or any anything like that it's just that he for some reason saw and thought that I was going to be a great DB and he wanted me to, to kind of see that too. Uh-huh. And so a big reason I feel that, that I was like, I have to, have to play defensive back was 
because of him and yeah. his the planting those seeds in uh-huh. my head. But why I say it was interesting is because I came in freshman year, JV. No one really knew who who I was because I didn't play intermediate, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm coming in fresh, and I was dead set on playing defensive back. Okay. But the JV coach at the time told me we're set on who we have as our DBs. They all played last year as freshmen. They're coming back as sophomores. We don't need you at defensive back. Almost like we're not even going to give you a chance. Um, So you're better suited to play on offense, play receiver or running back. And and when I was growing up, that's what I wanted to play. But I was heartbroken. Uh I was just devastated that I wasn't going to get a shot to play defensive back and to have this coach say we're not going to give you a chance and almost like we don't think that you're good enough to be able to to be able to play defensive back so you know I just I went and just played played receiver and I I made it I made it work and I I tried to go out there and make plays and and just do do whatever it was that I that I had to do and you know I think that that's why in my life I value the ability to be versatile and to be adaptable mm-hmm. is because I was put in a lot of situations where, I mean, just this one in general or, or I mean, overall throughout my life of I thought it was going to be one way and it just did not work out that way. And now you got to pivot. Mm-hmm. And that's what life's all about is about being able to pivot and adapt and, and be flexible. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I made do. And I told myself, I'm going to bide my time here on JV and then peace out. I'm going to varsity next year. And so I went and tried out for the varsity team as a sophomore. And I went out and tried to play DB. And I had a coach who recognized the name, recognized who Mm -hmm. my father was Mm -hmm. and kind of took me under his wing because of it. And, you know. I think that it was it might have been a, a reason why I made varsity as a as a sophomore, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I got my opportunity got um, to to finally transition to that to that defensive back position where I really you know found my passion to be. Mm-hmm. That's really uh, great to hear. And you have to mention who that coach was that took you under your wing or under his wing, Derek Takai. Yeah. So yeah, Derek was on the podcast to hear his <laughs> story. But um, it's great to hear you know how kind of these obstacles actually make you stronger, right? Absolutely. Before we go into, you know, you playing DB. So that year that you played receiver and you played running back, I'm assuming in Pop Warner, right? Mm-hmm. Did you like those positions or did you find that your speed helped you in those positions? Definitely. I mean, I enjoyed I enjoyed them, but it's just at that point in time I was so dead set on I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a DB and I'm even in in spite of everybody saying how great my dad was, I'm going to be better. And I, I took, I took those challenges, right. And, um, you know, people doubting or, or not giving me opportunities, it just added fuel to the fire. But, um, you know, when they told me you're going to play receiver, I just decided, okay, I'm going to go out and be the best receiver on the team. Um, that's all I can do. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to give me an opportunity, I just got to shine where I can. Mm Um, and, and hopefully get some attention from those varsity coaches so that the next year when I show up, they'll at least know, know who I am. (laughs) 
you know yes so now let's talk about that transition into vars so you played vars for three years right yep. starting when you were 10th grade mm-hmm. and now you actually get your shot at being a db right mm-hmm. so talk us through that you know what were some of the things that came naturally to you what were some of the obstacles and what was it like now to for the first time you know you're mm-hmm. playing on a higher level but you're playing the position that you really want to right mm-hmm. so i mean <sighs> obstacles man i mean you can go on for forever about obstacles that and roadblocks that came up along along the way but you know that first year was definitely frustrating because i finally had the opportunity to play the position i wanted to showcase what it was that i was able to do but it was a similar situation to where I stepped in. There were a lot of guys that were established. Punoho had won the state championship the year before. Okay. And a lot of those guys that were, on, that were defensive backs on that team that were getting playing time were all back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian Sweet mm-hmm. was, was one of the safeties. Sean McFadden, uh, Jeremy Iwane was in, was in the defensive backfield playing Rover. Mm-hmm. Um, both of our corners had both gotten a lot of playing time the year before so you know it was tough to to get the shine and get the opportunities to to show what I could do but I knew when opportunity came knocking it was too late to prepare I had to be ready Mm -hmm. and so I had a few very very brief opportunities throughout my sophomore year Mm -hmm. where I got the I got the chance to be on the field and you know was able to make some plays um you know get some attention and so i think that that kind of played into going on throughout the course of my years um where they're like okay this kid has has potential to to be able to be on the field but sadly going into that next season i uh i played the first two games of the season and then i broke my leg so i was out all of all of my junior season which for anybody that plays sports and is trying to get recruited to college your junior year is your biggest year that's imperative because by the time senior year hits colleges already kind of know who the guys are that they're looking at that year so senior year is really the solidifying that you deserve the scholarship Mm -hmm. if you don't have it already Whereas it's not the year where you earn the attention mm-hmm. for the scholarship. So, you know, that presented challenges of its own, um, you know, frustrations, a um, little bit of, uh, you know, just overall, I don't know if resentment's the right, the right mm-hmm. word because I don't know resentment towards what, but yeah. just the, my situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I feel like I have all this capability and all this to offer the team and to offer any school that wants to recruit me. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not having the opportunity to be able to show it. You know, but I finally, I finally did come my senior year. And, you know, I told myself I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready. Once, once senior year comes around, now the floodgates are opening. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be my time, my time to shine. And I'm going to put myself in a position to be on the field as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because this is, this is all I got. Mm-hmm. Yes. You only have one chance. If you, if you're all you, all you play is your senior year. I played receiver as a freshman, mm-hmm. uh, on JV. I didn't play very much as a sophomore mm-hmm. and then I was out all year mm-hmm. as a junior. So really you got one season, everything's riding on that, mm-hmm. that one season. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as I kind of mentioned before, it's, uh, fuel to the fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's, it's just, Okay. This is the situation. Mm-hmm. This is what's riding on it. 
how important is it to you to play yes at the next level how important is it to you to make it mm-hmm. what are you gonna do yeah and so yeah yeah no i mean and it's good to hear the story because i didn't meet you until later uh during the final years of your college career but why don't you explain a little bit and we'll talk about some of the injuries um because you know football it's a collision sport so you know there's gonna be injuries here and there but hopefully nothing too major but i mean you had a season ending injury which kept you out so explain a little bit about how you broke your leg what was fractured uh so fractured my fibula okay. so i mean as you know the non-weight bearing bone in in the lower part of your leg um so what was interesting about that injury was um, you know, to provide some context, we were doing, we were running a drill okay. uh, at the end of practice when the head coach had said, be done for the day. Mm-hmm. But we were playing St. Louis, Marcus Mariota. Okay. The next week. Got it. So we were preparing for the following team that we Got were it. playing already. Our coach was just crapping his pants <laughs> thinking about, you know, uh-huh. what, that we were going to play against Marcus Mariota and St. Louis. So we're working on deep balls and protecting against the deep ball mm-hmm. and we're going up for the ball i'm going up to make the interception um the guy that was running as a receiver went up for the ball as well and when we came down our legs got twisted up mm-hmm. and he actually like came down on my leg got it um at first it kind of felt more like a like a charlie horse yeah where i just got to get up and just jog it off yeah and i was jogging back to the huddle and all of a sudden i took one step at one point and it sounded like a gunshot went off Mm -hmm. and i just remember dropping to the ground and like searing pain yeah and i I go down to the training room and um you know i was able to to kind of limp down there with the help of some teammates and i get checked out by the training staff and they're like i don't think there's any break i think it's just like a deep a deep bruise Mm. And so, you know, we're going to monitor it. We're going to keep you out this week mm-hmm. and we'll reevaluate on Monday. Mm-hmm. And so I come in on Monday. They run some, maybe do some things. And they're like, yeah, I think, you know, it's, I don't think it's broken. Mm-hmm. And they had me go up to the field where, um, you know, one of the team doctors was helping with a game. Mm-hmm. And so I go and get it checked out. And even he didn't believe mm-hmm. from his his exam exam that i had broken my leg Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until um coach khan um was was like hey come down just to just to be be safe we'll get it checked out Mm -hmm. and yeah sure enough clear as day x-ray comes back yeah clean break um and then yeah it ended ended my season Mm um you know this like you said collision sport there's In tons of injuries that happened along the way. Um, actually, right before that, during the summer, I broke my nose because during it. seven on seven, we didn't have any pads on. Um, collided with somebody, uh-huh. broken nose. Um, you know, had a pretty serious injury actually when I was in the eighth grade. Okay. Um, tore my hip flexor. Got it. Um, so yeah, I mean, just a lot of a lot of stuff that that happened along the way, and yes. you know, even in college. Before so. the hip flexor, any other injuries to the ankle or knee or anything on that side? No, nothing. I mean, nothing. Nothing severe. I mean, ankle rolls, you know, yeah. here and there, but but nothing. Nothing severe. Got yeah. it. So when you actually found out that you fractured your fibula, did you just get casted or booted, or did you have to get surgery? 
I didn't need to have surgery. I just, they just booted me up. Got um, it. You know, I was able to walk on it mm-hmm. just fine, yep. uh, which was the most frustrating part uh-huh. because it's almost like a, I compare it to when you would get a concussion. Mm-hmm. You can't really see the injury. Yeah. No one, no one can see that it's there. Uh-huh. And so a lot of times, you know, people don't necessarily take it as seriously as it, as it really is. Or, um, you know, coaches or people around you think, oh, it's, it must not be too bad. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can't actually see it. Yeah. You can't see the recovery. And, you know, while you can actually you know, take x-rays of a bone and, and make sure that you're monitoring the healing process, I was walking around mm-hmm. and, you know, you couldn't necessarily see how much pain I was going to be in once I did try to start to come back. And every week it was, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? When are you going to be ready? When are you going to be ready? To the point where before I was really fully, completely healed and and ready to go, Mm -hmm. I had two weeks left in the season. And I tried everything to, to get back onto the field. I would be running along the sidelines and the coaches would be yelling at me, you're limping, <laughs> you're limping, you're limping. You need to just, just, just go for it. Just run it off. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And as we know now in hindsight, you know, it's not for the lack of effort, right? Mm-hmm. There's certain things that you need to address to actually get back to that 100%, which we'll touch on in a little bit. But yeah. So, I mean, your senior year, you know, you got, you got to play, right? Mm-hmm. How did that year go? And then explain a little bit the recruiting process for you because of this missed junior year the recruiting process was was interesting to say the least you know i I played with a lot of guys who were very very highly recruited um you know deforest buckner is the name that everybody knows here in hawaii i mean kaimi fairbairn Mm -hmm. um steven lakalaka um a lot of guys that from the time we were freshmen in high school, they were getting these letters in the mail from from schools all over, and I would go and check the mail in the in the athletic office, just hoping, <laughs> yes. hoping for some reason or another. Even though I hadn't really played much, I hadn't really done anything, yeah. hoping that some some school was gonna mm-hmm. drop a letter in in the box. And um, you know, nothing really came for me the way that it did for a lot of other a lot of other guys. But for some reason or another, Army. West Point came and put uh like sent me a letter, a questionnaire to fill out, you know, basically kind of giving me the basic giving the basic information, kind of what my grades were like and whether I was interested mm-hmm. in going to a and military academy. Like during the football season your senior year or after? It was no, so this was after my junior season. So oh, okay. so actually right after my junior season, right around the holidays. Okay. I get this letter and I'm like like, wow, is this somebody that's interested in me? I haven't even really played or done done a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And I filled that questionnaire out. And sure enough, they sent some, they sent some follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time my senior year rolled around, I mean, I still didn't have a whole lot. I went to a couple of camps, um, you know, in the summer times mm-hmm. over the course of, of my, my uh, high school career. Mm-hmm. I went to Michigan State. That's where my dad played, his alma mater. Um, you know, got invited to a camp, um, a camp up in like Virginia, uh, where a lot of, a lot of coaches were at. And, um, so I had some opportunities to get some exposure, but still, you know, nothing senior year is playing out more and more time goes by week after week after week. 
with nothing. Mm-hmm. And I remember it like it was yesterday, my parents sitting in my college, college counselor's office. Mm-hmm. And he's asking, what schools are you looking at applying to? What, I, I noticed you haven't submitted any college applications. And it's getting to around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And everybody in my class is all talking about the schools that they're starting to apply to and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I'm like, I'm going to apply to what school offers me a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, do you have any scholarships? I'm like, no. But that goes back to that, that just undying belief, mm-hmm. undying confidence that something was going to come. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, right before the holidays, right at the end of senior year, the Army coach shows up in my head coach's office. And I get called in and he starts saying, you know, hey, we, we like what we've been seeing. Um, we like the way that you played this year. Love to meet your family come over to the house and have dinner and so he came over and told my parents that they wanted to offer me a scholarship Mm -hmm. and that was the only scholarship I had until I want to say about three days before signing day okay national signing day and the University of Wyoming coach which is where I ended up playing at eventually defensive back coach was in Hawaii um, recruiting a few other guys Mm -hmm. here in the islands and went around asking coaches at different schools we need a db mm-hmm. who do i need to talk to and it was actually coaches from other schools not even coaches from my school yeah. that were like you might want to check out this kid tim kamana yeah and so he shows up in the office says i'm sure you don't even know where wyoming is <laughs> i'm sure if you pulled yeah. up on a map yeah. and i asked yeah. you to point to wyoming you wouldn't be able to do it i'm like you're absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, I'm on a rock in the middle of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where Wyoming is. So, um, but sure enough, he he asked to to meet with my meet with my parents, okay. meet with my dad. Said, you know, hey, we want to offer your son a scholarship. We think he's worth a scholarship, but we've offered all our scholarships already. So we have to wait till after National Signing Day to see if we have any scholarships that open up. Can you postpone your signing for like to see if we have something that opens up? Well, sure enough, I postpone my signing. I don't get to participate in the signing day at festivities with like every, like all my other teammates that okay. have like these big, big signing days yeah. down at the Blaisdell, right? Uh-huh. So I postpone, something opens up, I take my visit, um, and I'm deciding between between West Point and, and Wyoming. And I believe it or not, I actually chose West Point at the time uh, I kind of circled back to they were the first mm-hmm. they've shown interest in me since I was a junior mm-hmm. um, they've been here and they've been you know making a case mm-hmm. and you know I saw a lot of a lot of other opportunities there as well and potential but um, yeah I decided to to go with West Point and that was that was where I actually started <laughs> yes. my college career but yeah I had a very very interesting recruiting process yeah yeah and everyone's recruiting story it's interesting to hear because otherwise you don't really share it right unless you have the opportunity to talk about it a little bit more so I mean obviously you know you did good things on the field um, your senior year you kind of got to develop more even though you missed that time in your junior year and that led to you know people showing interest mm-hmm. so before we go into getting into college, you know, we're going to speed up in a little bit, but in the, in the, you notice you said that, you know, you had to get stronger. You had to, you know, put on size, you put on more size when you got to college, but how crucial do you think that junior year 
when you were you know rehabbing that that foot and that um, ankle you know how much time did you put in you know strength and conditioning training and doing all of those kind of things and did that really help you you think to pursue college football absolutely i mean from a from a pretty early age mm-hmm. like i said i mean i realized that i had some some downfalls mm-hmm. to to my i mean physical capabilities uh-huh. my my athleticism and so i knew i needed to work and what maybe killed me the most during that junior year that i was out was that i couldn't do all the things that i wanted to do mm-hmm. all the things that i was used to doing so i had to find other ways that I could condition my body. So, you know, obviously you can still lift weights, upper body at the at a minimum, even with a even with a broken leg. So really living in the weight room, um, studying a lot of film was also another way that I took my game to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think that it did play a big factor in my senior year as mm-hmm. well as getting me to the next level was that increased football IQ that maybe not everybody has at the high school level Mm -hmm. Um, being able to fly around and kind of make adjustments on the fly and kind of be the leader on the field that's making that's calling out what the other team might be doing and that helps you to make up for your maybe lack of athleticism Mm -hmm. or 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 pitfalls in certain areas is you can be a step ahead Mm -hmm. I mean you could be a 4-5 guy and be going up against a 4-3 guy but if you really study your film and you play your technique right mm-hmm. you can you can compete for it yeah and you can make up for it so i i know that those two things in particular really kind of segued me into my senior year and allowed me to have the senior year cool. that i had did you just play db or corner or did you play safety too your senior year and move around a lot in the secondary they they moved me around mm-hmm. um you know, I've always kind of been the the utility guy, mm-hmm. um, where you know you kind of plug and play me. Um, you know, on certain games where we would be playing against maybe a particularly good receiver, particularly fast. You know, St. Louis was one of those teams. They would move me to corner and just say, "Hey, we need you to need you to lock this guy up, take him out of the game." Mm-hmm. I liked playing safety because I liked being in the back. I liked seeing everything mm-hmm. and seeing it develop. Um, it also allowed me to kind of use that film study mm-hmm. to be able to see the motions happening and yeah. and the play develop and you know be able to get reads off mm-hmm. of certain players because it's a little bit easier in high school kind of guys kind of tip their hat uh, a little bit on certain things so being able to kind of see call things out give my teammates heads up on mm-hmm. what may be coming um, you know it was, it was a lot more fun to me to be in the back uh, I returned kicks and punts. Mm-hmm. Uh, played a little bit of offense they would only bring me in on certain packages like fly sweeps and decoy type of packages mm-hmm. um but yeah i just tried to put myself in on the field yeah as much as possible because before my senior year my uncle told me he said you just gotta you just gotta be on the field yeah you just have to be on the field as much as possible and uh-huh. give yourself opportunities because a lot of times quantity leads to quality yeah right yeah if you have uh-huh. more opportunities to make a play yeah you're gonna make more plays <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah so that's i mean that's great to hear you know and for anybody that's going through an injury or recovering from something you know there's a lot of ways that you can use that time to make it to maximize that time right so that it helps you in the future even though you're physically not able to do all the things that you want to do so absolutely that's something that you know i think you took advantage of that 
that year off that you had. And I, I mean, it did work out, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to fast forward a little bit through your college career. Most of us, and I know you from playing in Wyoming, mm-hmm. I didn't know until actually today that you went to West Point first. So, so <laughs> talk about that a little bit, like basically what happened with that transition and what made you end up at Wyoming? So, you know, um, like I said, I mean, West Point had been there from early on. I had almost committed mm-hmm. to them. And in my head, I was going to West Point for a long time. Because Wyoming didn't come into the fold until very, very late. So I was three, four days out from National Signing Day. In my head, I'm like, I'm going to to Signing Day at the Blaisdell with all my friends. And I'm going to put on that hat and say that I'm going to Army. And so, you know, Wyoming comes into the fold all of a sudden. You know, I end up choosing choosing West Point. You know, I had kind of told them that they were who I was going to was gonna be looking at to commit to and so i wanted to kind of hold up to my word mm-hmm. and um i ended up going there and finally getting my feet in the mud and i tried to do as much research as i possibly could i talked to folks who had gone to the military academies um i i found a way to get linked in with uh with a guy who was living in hawaii but he was a west point grad played mm-hmm. football um, so just had lunch with him to kind of talk to him about his experience, mm-hmm. talk to some other guys that I knew that were playing at the service academies and obviously took my official visit and really thought that I had done the research to know, OK, I'd be I'd be good going to West Point and uh-huh. serving out my my college career at Army. But it's, it's always a lot different when you get your feet in the mud. Mm-hmm. Um, you never really truly know until you get your hands dirty. Yeah. And. I got I got hit with a rude awakening. Um, I was not exposed to like the military uh-huh. lifestyle and kind of that that aspect of things growing up. Mm-hmm. I maybe even had a little bit of a, of trouble with authority in certain ways, <laughs> you know, being a little bit of a rascal. Uh-huh. Um, so you know that was a little bit of a of a rude awakening for me. There was a lot of things that I identified that maybe I felt were hindering my success on the football field which you know the goal was always to make it to the nfl and i wanted to give myself every opportunity to be able to put myself there Mm -hmm. and being at west point i just identified between class the rigors of the education system there Mm -hmm. military classes on top of normal classes Mm -hmm. uh you know pt in the morning sometimes and then you you know you get very very little time to be able to spend on football yeah uh, i was rushing out of study hall at the end of the day to get to meetings mm-hmm. to be in meetings for like half an hour have practice and then we were off to study hall again mm-hmm. so you know noticing that hey i knew from a young age that i had to outwork people and i had to put in the work and not being able to put forth that extra work mm-hmm. and that extra time mm-hmm. um that i really really wanted to was going to be detrimental for somebody like me who wanted to make it. Yeah. And so about five, six months in, I realized that you know West Point was not the place for me mm-hmm. to be if I wanted to make my dreams a reality mm-hmm. and be able to focus mm-hmm. on football. Because at the military academies, they're just worried about making you an officer mm-hmm. in the army, mm-hmm. getting you a, become, becoming a commissioned officer um, and training you to do that to the best of your, best of your abilities. Mm-hmm. So it, at West Point and the service academies, it's, Military school football. Yeah. Football comes last. It's like the uh-huh. it's like the sprinkles on the ice cream cone. That's it. Yeah. 
So I decided, you know, hey, I got to I got to leave. I don't know what's going to be in store for me if I leave, but I, I'm, I'm going to just test the waters and, and take the jump mm-hmm. and find a way to get somewhere else. Did you have the opportunity to play as a freshman or see the field a little bit? So, it, I mean, another unique kind of facet subset of the story is I knew that, you know, I was young um, when I graduated. I graduated and got to West Point and actually started my season at 17 years old. Okay. So I was, I was young for my age. Um, you know, I knew that I was still kind of a little bit skin and bones, um, you know, coming out of high school. So I still had some developing to do and I needed as much time mm-hmm. as I could possibly have to, you know, hopefully get, make, make those dreams a reality. So, um, at West Point and the military academies, there's no such thing as a red shirt year. Okay. If you go directly into the academies, you have four years to, to play and to, and to complete your school. But as a way, a workaround is every academy has what they call a preparatory school. It's like, for West Point was actually on West Point campus. Okay. It's just kind of like a separate section. Mm-hmm. And they send maybe the kids who need to get their grades up a little bit or like weren't mm-hmm. quite at the cutoff to get to mm-hmm. um to get into West Point directly. Um, you know, there's some other athletes that they maybe think maybe we could redshirt this person. Mm-hmm. And so I actually requested when oh, they recruited me that that was a caveat of me committing there was that I wanted to go to the prep school first mm-hmm. because I wanted to have that extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played because the prep school has its own separate team. Oh, okay. So you don't play on the actual army team. You have a separate team. We played against some D3 schools, mm-hmm. uh, other preparatory schools, um, some JCs. Okay. And so I got kind of a little bit of exposure to playing college football, not at, quite at the D1 level, obviously, but um, kind of getting got it. getting implemented into the into mm-hmm. the fold almost and so, so there was film and you know they could see how you were developing and ab- playing yeah. absolutely so i mean that was a, a big you know developmental year for me it also kind of built the confidence that you know hey i, I can do this at the college level too mm-hmm. so you know i wanted to test the grounds well they tell me we're not giving you your film okay we're not going to allow you to have your film yeah. to send out yeah. like this isn't this isn't a jc <laughs> yeah. that you come to to try and get somewhere else got it as just they said if you want to leave you can leave but we're not we're not giving you your film to send out to other schools so uh, my hands were tied in in, in some ways and uh-huh. you know we did some outreach to to schools i sent out tons of emails and okay. um you know outreach to coaches and trying to just get somebody to maybe take a look mm-hmm. and um i just so happened to send a message to a coach that recruited me got it from Wyoming. Wyoming, yeah. We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, uh-huh. but I think it was May or June, right before okay. I reported to to oh, okay. West Point. This coach sent me a, a message on Facebook. Okay. Saying, hey, Tim, any second thoughts? That's it. Just uh-huh. quick little message. I told myself I wasn't even going to open it because I, I had made my decision. Uh-huh. I was going... No second thoughts. I'm, 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 I'm going to do it. And I'm going to prove people wrong who told me that that was the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Well, now I kind of identified myself. It's, it was the wrong decision <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. So um, just on a whim, I go and message him back. I said, actually, yes, I am having second thoughts. 
how, how are you doing? Yeah. And he got back to me within a couple of minutes, uh-huh. messaged me back, uh, said, hey, good to hear from you. I, I can't promise anything, but, but let me go and talk to, talk to the head coach and see what we can do. Was this still in the football season at West Point? It was at the very tail end. Okay, got it. Yeah, very, very tail end. I think we might have had like, like a game or two left. Mm-hmm. And I reached out and he got back to me within 24 hours, 48 hours, mm-hmm. something quick. And said, yeah, we, we still have a scholarship for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had a, a conversation with the, called him the commandant. He was the colonel who ran the prep school. He was kind of like the, the dean almost. Okay. And um, I remember talking with him and telling him that about my decision that I was going to leave. And I said, you know, I have something on the table right now, but I don't know if it's where I want to go. I'd like to get somewhere bigger. You know, I've always had my eyes set on getting to like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or, you know, going to Michigan State because that's where my dad, my dad went. Right. So I'm like, I think I might wait and see how things play out. Mm-hmm see if something else comes along and he told me why like don't go home and get complacent Uh and fall out of it Mm -hmm. you have an opportunity on the table to have a scholarship Mm -hmm. and to still have your school paid for like the last thing you want to do is to walk away from a free education Mm -hmm. and where your parents are paying absolutely nothing for you to have to step into a situation where now your parents are paying for you to go to college Mm -hmm. And so after that conversation, I called the coach back and I said, I'm, I'm coming. Yes, yes. Put things in place to get me out there. Let me know when you need me. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, they, they pushed my paperwork through to get out of the military and allowed me to accept that scholarship to get started right away mm-hmm. for the spring semester. No, that's crazy. I mean, and then, you know, you made this decision now, you know, like you said before, you just make the decision and then find a way to make it right. Yep. Right. But what was your parents saying about this? You know, I'm, I'm sure they supported you, but, you know, now you're transferring to a place where you can put football a little bit more ahead of what it was, right? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Um, you know, when I, when I first told my parents, I mean, I was calling them every week, sometimes a couple of times a week, just talking mm-hmm. about how miserable I was mm-hmm. at, at West Point. Mm-hmm. I hate this. I can't stand this. Um, I hate it here. Um, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and... and you know, my mom had this this image in her mind from all the research that we did together, mm-hmm. all the people that we had talked to that told her about all the amazing things mm-hmm. that come with a West Point education, um, that come with graduating from the United States Military Academy, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. And so she really saw that as being just a humongous opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And she was, you know, so, so proud that I was that I was going there. And she was definitely disappointed. You know, you're going to walk away from a West Point education to go to a school like Wyoming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so there was a little bit of disappointment there. And my dad was, you know, always, you know, very supportive in terms of, not that my mom wasn't, but my dad was always, you know, hey, you, you're a grown man. You make your decisions and you make it right. Yeah. Like I said earlier. And so it wasn't until Parents Weekend, which was one of the last games of the season, where my parents actually came, flew out, mm-hmm. and they just could see the look on my face. Mm-hmm. Just going through the day-to-day, um, seeing kind of how I was living, the yeah. situations that we were in uh-huh. at West Point. And that was when my mom finally was like, okay, 
let's get you out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually sat with me when I went to go talk to the head coach oh. down at, at West Point on the, the actual real team to tell him that I was leaving. Uh-huh. You know, and then from there, making the transition and going to Wyoming, I mean, pfft, talk about extreme culture shock. <laughs> to, from, from Hawaii to New York, upstate yeah. New York, in the military academy, yeah. having not been exposed to any military background at all, uh-huh. then to going to Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The first week that I was in Laramie, Wyoming, one there was one day where Laramie was the coldest place on the face of the planet. It was negative 47. Yep. Negative 60 with wind chill. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, what did I get myself into? <laughs> yeah. What... How am I going to do this? Yeah. And I remember walking to football practice at like five in the morning, mm-hmm. pitch black outside, freezing, winds blowing, just thinking, wow, I might have made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might have made a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about like your college career and we'll fast forward a little bit. You know, there's so many other things we could dive into, not yeah. to take anything away from your no, college no, career, no. but... but Let's talk about, you know, at Wyoming, you got to play four years, right? Did you have a redshirt season or anything? Yeah, so, I mean, that was the, the beauty, actually, of, of the prep school at, at um, Army okay. and the military academies is they don't actually count. That year doesn't count towards your got eligibility. It. So I came into Wyoming and was actually able to have a redshirt year as well. Oh, okay. And so I stepped into Wyoming and they, I mean, kind of similar to my high school situation where... They were very well established with the guys that they had on the field. Got it. Um, a couple of those guys at in, at the defensive back position actually ended up making it to the NFL. Okay. Um, so I kind of had to sit and bide my time. But after that first redshirt season, I actually had the opportunity in my redshirt freshman year mm-hmm. to start. So you started for four years, pretty much. That's that's where that's where my college career gets interesting as well. Yeah. I mean, things can. I mean, uh-huh. we've been talking for a while now already. No, no, no. Um, let's let's dive into that real briefly. Yeah. Um. So I had the most unique college career probably out of anybody in terms of I started more games earlier in my career than I did later in my career. Got it. Um. As a factor of you know a lot of different things. Um. But that first year, um, I was the number two at both strong and free safety and game four i believe of the season our strong safety goes down with a um with a minor tear in his mcl Mm -hmm. so i got to step in and had the opportunity to to play right away Mm -hmm. and after my first game that i got to go in i actually had a had a great game and there were you know some people that that were asking you know who is this kid? Why hasn't he been playing this whole season already? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, from there, it was just the the floodgates opening in terms of I started the rest of the season. You know, first game the next the next week with my first official start was against Michigan State. So, Got it. you know, that was a that was a big game, <laughs> um, you know, to be able to be able to play as a school I always wanted to go to. Who was um, your dad rooting for? He was wearing a. Wyoming shirt and Michigan State hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I seen him. I was like, okay, I appreciate it. I thought you were gonna go all the way around. <laughs> yeah. Michigan State shirt, Wyoming hat. Yeah. Um, you know, had a had a pretty good game, good game there. Um, you know, under my belt as well, and you know, had a had a decent a decent first mm-hmm. season. Um, but where 
my career got interesting was how I mentioned earlier. I've always been pegged as the plug and play guy. Um, you know, the, the versatile, the versatile guy where, you know, we can, we can move him around Mm -hmm. because the football IQ is there. Mm -hmm. The athletic ability to play multiple positions, the physicality to, um, you know, play up in the box is there. So, you know, I, I got pegged as that guy early in my career. I started at strong safety, played a couple of games there. Our free safety goes down. They moved me to free safety. Played the rest of the season there. Then next season, we're short at linebacker. So That's right. they moved me up to play the nickel-sam kind of hybrid position. Mm-hmm. You know, then our strong side linebacker gets injured. Our will linebacker. Yes. So they moved me into the box. And yes. I'm... I remember you telling me this because how big were you? Because you were a secondary player, right? Yeah, I was, I mean, I'm, I'm like 5'11", 200 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm eating McDonald's every night sometimes <laughs> just to try and put on some pounds and keep uh-huh. on the weight in the season. Because every, everybody who, who's played yeah. football, you know, you shed the weight in the season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, mixing it up in the box with these massive human beings in front of me on the line and even running backs at Mm -hmm. the college level and I'm playing in the box so you know just moving around it was something I was happy to do I'll always do what's best for the team Mm -hmm. um you know and sacrifice for the team I have no problem with it but I think that that also kind of led to not being able to get comfortable Mm -hmm. right so um how I talked about earlier where after a few years and you spend that time playing on the field, mm-hmm. you have the comfortability now where you're not so nervous before the play yeah. and you can slow things down mm-hmm. and really pinpoint little things that give you an advantage mm-hmm. where if you can't get comfortable in a position or learning the playbook, which I mean, the playbook at the college level is a whole nother story, yeah. right? It's, it's a little bit more difficult to mm-hmm. really, really play. Yeah really let things fly yeah. and and fly around with reckless abandon and not be thinking mm-hmm. i remember when they finally moved me to inside linebacker i mean my fourth position that i played mm-hmm. you know in college or fifth actually yeah we were watching film one day and my head coach was like what the hell are you doing here it looks like somebody's pressing a pause button uh-huh. on you at the beginning of the play because I was just so stuck in analysis paralysis. Yeah, yeah. So much was happening. It was like the play would start and everybody would start flowing and I would still be trying to read what was going on. Mm -hmm. And so I played slower. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, circumstances are always circumstances and you can only control what you can control. And, you know, I can say, you know, this, this, and this, and that were the reason why, you know, I wasn't, I didn't play more or I didn't, I didn't have a more maybe successful career in my eyes. But, you know, I think that there's also, you know, a lot of things that I, I could have done myself, Mm -hmm. you know, that would have put positioned me better, Mm -hmm. um, you know, made me a better, a better player and made me allow, allow myself to, really you know be able to find that that comfortability Mm -hmm. and that comfort but yeah it was it was interesting because i started eight games as a freshman Uh started seven games as a sophomore okay i started three as a junior and i didn't start any as a senior Mm -hmm. um my senior year they actually moved me back to safety after playing linebacker all these years um you know and at that point in time our two guys were younger than me Mm -hmm. and they actually play in the nfl now 
Um, so, you know, we're going to move you back to safety, but chances are you're probably not going to start. <laughs> we kind of got our guys. And so, you know, I, I got pegged as that utility guy, that versatile guy. But a lot of times it, it maybe added some additional roadblocks yeah. along yeah. the way. And, you know, that's around the time when I first met you, I think, because I was thinking they're putting you at linebacker, but you're naturally a safety and mm-hmm. your size, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it is a little disadvantage, but like you said, you just you just make it work. So you find ways to work hard and just do your best at it. Absolutely. Um, but talking about that a little bit. So, you know, sometimes the role doesn't pan out how we would plan, right? Or mm-hmm. how we envision it. But it's still... You had a successful career. You got to play. You mm-hmm. got to play in a law stadium. You know, yeah. you got to play all of these different schools, travel all over. Mm-hmm. And I do remember, you know, we working on, you know, some things here and there, getting you ready and stuff. And then you had your pro day and, mm-hmm. you know, getting getting drafted and things like that. But what's your take on that whole experience of trying to, you know, go to prepare for pro day, trying to talk to teams, trying to, you know, just do whatever you can to get a shot? You know, I, I look back on it and I can I can kind of like just pick it apart. Mm-hmm. What 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 I the way I went about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I could have done this and I could have done that, um, you know, but really it was just at that point, just just still chasing the dream. Mm-hmm. You know, I think at that point in my career, I maybe lacked that undying confidence that I talked about existed when I knew I was going to get a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that wasn't quite there anymore because, you know, there were doubts, mm-hmm. a lot of doubts in my mind. Um, you know, why would, a, why would a team draft you if you didn't start any games your senior year? Mm-hmm. Why would anybody pick you up if you don't have some, an agent representing you? Because no, no agents were knocking on my door <laughs> saying, uh-huh. saying, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll help represent you, we'll help pay for your training. So I knew I was going to have to pay out of pocket to do all of, my, all of my training, all of my preparation. So I was like, well, maybe it's best for me to come home, mm-hmm. live at the house, mm-hmm. eat mama's cooking, yeah. <laughs> and then train with guys like you uh-huh. who I know have been taking care of me for a long time and that would get me in a position to be at least my body. Mm-hmm. be as prepared and tuned up as as I possibly could be and you know I had a I had a great training process I mean I don't think I've ever been in such good shape mm-hmm. yeah. in my life but I didn't take the time to do as much research mm-hmm. as I should have done and preparation in, mm-hmm. in as a factor of that to you know really understand okay this is how pro day is going to go, right? This is what's going to happen. You know, you're going to do this exercise and then this exercise and then this test and this Uh test and this test and how all of those are going to have to play into each other and the fatigue that sets Mm -hmm. in after each of those of those tests. Um, So, you know, I was in great shape and I was prepared to do each of those tests individually. Mm -hmm. Great. I mean, every, yeah. all my, everything that I had tested out as far as my vertical and my bench press and my 40, I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to put myself in a position where if there's enough eyes out there, somebody's going to potentially take a shot because they, I have some film, I have some, some work product on the field, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put, put together these great numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't end up panning out the way that, that I had hoped. Um, you know, I had the eyes because I lucked out and Josh Allen was my quarterback yeah. in college and we had the same pro day. Mm-hmm. And these 30 teams, two, 
250 different scouts yep. and mm-hmm. GMs and agents and, and coaches were here at the Pro Day to watch Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, so they watched all of us do our tests as well. So the platform was there. The limelight was there. You know, every the stage was set, but the preparation factor, um, you know, really didn't didn't play to my advantage and didn't work out how how it should have. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I would have, you know, done a better job of knowing, you know, how things were going to play out, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of sh- shot my shot completely on the bench press, which is one of the first exercises that you do, mm-hmm. you know, for a, for somebody that was going as a safety. I think I did 19 reps mm-hmm. of 225, which is pretty good, mm-hmm. um, you know, compared to other safeties in the draft. But I wasn't prepared to try and run a 40 mm-hmm. after exerting myself that much, that much mm-hmm. on the bench press. And I remember thinking after my first run, why don't I have any power? Yeah. Why don't I have any drive? It feels like I'm dragging my legs. Mm-hmm. And it took years for me to look back on it and be like, yeah, you, 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 killed, yeah. you killed your legs yeah. on the bench yeah. because you weren't training to bench and then run immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so preparation is, mm-hmm. is everything. Um, and having some, having people that you're training with who have taken guys through the process before Mm -hmm. and have seen a million pro days and know exactly what the format is going to be like Mm -hmm. to be able to prepare you to be able to do so. I I had done all the individual pieces, Uh but I didn't do enough to actually put it all together. Yes. And you know, that's, that's a good learning process for everybody because I mean, you know, for you, like you didn't have one area I, you were doing training with a lot of great people in the community right mm-hmm. but not all at one time or you know replicating the demands of a pro day like you said but also you know doing it on your own too it's hard it's hard yeah. for anybody but you know you coming straight out of college and things like that and you know not having someone that can coordinate all of this for you it is it is definitely hard mm-hmm. um, but i mean without saying that takes nothing away from you know all of the lessons learned from your college career Absolutely. all the great yeah. things that you you did it might not have panned out exactly how you would have wished mm-hmm. but still yeah you got to play division one college football absolutely and we're gonna end it in a few minutes here but yeah thanks for sharing your story of but course for anyone else <laughs> like the younger athletes you know anyone that you have talked to you know that's looking to kind of pull from your journey what's some of your messages or words of wisdom that you can pass on to the younger generation whether they're playing sports or not if i had to you know kind of bottle it all up um you know first and foremost it's just control what you can control Mm -hmm. don't fixate on the problem Mm -hmm. fixate on the solution Mm -hmm. right and and working around whatever obstacle is in your way because it's never going to be perfect it's never going to go exactly how you plan it in your mind but that adaptability and flexibility is always what's going to make you successful mm-hmm. um you know also being able to realize that through athletics however far you make it they say that it takes 10,000 hours to be become a professional at whatever it is that you do what i've come to realize after making my transition into, you know, the real world and, you know, now working a, working a job and, you know, having a family, it's that a lot of times athletes, we've put in 
our 10,000 hours and a lot of those things translate and transition into everyday life. Um, You know, not just football Mm -hmm. in particular, but, but a lot of sports and a lot of athletics, you can take those, those disciplines, you know, that, that preparation Mm -hmm. to, towards anything in your life and just that those experiences and, you know, having to deal with obstacles and deal with things that people that don't play sports don't always have to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, taking those experiences into the rest of your life, you know, is invaluable. Yes, that is a great message. And I mean, I can tell that you definitely take all of that into your life, you know, your professional career. And I mean, a lot of, like you said, not only the lessons, but a lot of good has come out of your journey. Absolutely. You got your scholarship, right? You mm-hmm. got education paid for. You have your degree. I believe it's in finance. I actually have two. Two degrees. What's your degree? So finance and marketing. Finance and marketing, right? And then, Mm. I mean, you have a great job. Congrats, by the way, on your newborn son that was born last year, right? Yes. Um, I can't believe time is flying by that quickly. But, you know, there's a lot of these lessons, I think, for all the athletes, you know, and we hate to put it this way, but sports eventually comes to an end. Absolutely. You know, you can be around sports, mm-hmm. but your playing career competitively is going to come to an end eventually. But all of the experiences, all of those hours you put in, everything you learn, no one can take that away from you, no matter how your career played out. And if you can use all of those lessons and transfer them into whatever you're going to do next, I mean, we see it all the time. That's what makes people very invested in new things, very passionate about pursuing new things. And that's really what it's all about. You know, just trying to do what you can. And like you said, use all of those lessons later on in life too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important for perspective Mm -hmm. to make sure you always keep, keep perspective on things. Sports is a very, very small fraction of your life. And when you're growing up and you're an athlete and your, your dream is to make it to the highest level possible, it can seem like the end of the world when that doesn't happen. And sports is everything for you in that section of your life. But there's so much more to life and there's so many more things that are out there. And, you know, it's not the end of the world if you don't make it. I thought it was at one point, um, you know, some of the lowest times of my life were, you know, after I didn't make it. But if I figured it out, anybody can figure it out. And, you know, just taking those those lessons that you learn and applying them into the next phase in life and just trying to find your find that passion the same way that you were passionate about sports. Yes. And be able to chase that new dream. Mm-hmm. And you can still be successful. And you can still write your success story the way that you want it to be written, even outside of sports. Yes. That's a great message. And, you know, everyone listen to this over and over. Because, I mean, it applies to anyone, no matter where you are in your stage in life. So, I mean, thanks so much, though. I know we still had... A lot of other things we wanted to talk about, but we'll leave it for next time. But I really appreciate you coming, you know, coming down to take the time when you're here just for a short time. But no brainer. It's automatic. Overall, I mean, I really appreciate this. And thanks so much for everything. And we wish you, you know, everything in your professional career with your family and all of that. And, you know, one one of these days you have to move back home. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. But sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. Yes. But thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you having me. It's been an honor.